This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Two thing, two major, two major things happened this week in my life. I mean, yeah, okay, I guess I could say that. I mean, two two things today. I climbed Bear Mountains, which I do, which I do every year. Um, I took my high school, and no, 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 I climbed. I didn't say I drove. I climbed Bear Mountains, and it's a very hard mountain to climb. And Baruch Hashem. Even though, like, I have to tell you that the beginning of the mountain, because we don't go on the trail, whoever's gone with me, is very, very hard on your heart. It's like, it's just a total incline. It's like mom was walking up a wall. And um, I got to the top of that piece, which is just very short. It's maybe eight minutes, nine minutes. And my heart was pumping, and I had such a, I was so dizzy, and I had such a headache. And um, these girls were looking very forward to climbing the mountain, because it's something that we do every year, and everyone often comes with us. And I just sat down and I said, just go, you know, the other teachers are there. I'm like, I, I'm not getting a heart attack. This is worse than a stress test. I'm like, just, you know, just it's an interesting story. And I said um, to one of the teachers, women teachers that has gone with me before, I said, do you know your way up the mountain? Um, I didn't want to ruin the whole trip. And she said, yeah, I remember pretty much. So I'm like, okay, so it's a three-hour climb. I'm like, okay, so you, you go up. I'm just going to go back to the car. I'm just not feeling well. I was very dizzy. Um, I was up very late last night. I was like, okay. And, you know, so you have the girls in the back that are going very slow. And you have the girls in the front that are running. And you have the girls in the back that are very slow. And the slow ones passed me. And they were ready. I couldn't see them anymore. And I'm, and, and I'm sitting on this. Not important how many girls. And I'm sitting on, um, yeah, curiosity killed the cat. So I went across the street to get to the other side and got hit by a car because it's curious. So. Um, anyway, to make a long story short, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, I wish I could do this for them because this class never went up the mountain and, you know, but I can't do it and I'm not such a young guy anymore. And what am I doing climbing mountains? Hello. You know, I got a Chabur tonight. What am I doing climbing mountains? And then I said to myself, but you're the guy that always gets up and speaks about, you know, where you drop is where you, you know, my father also, where you drop is where you stay. You got to get up and you got to keep going. And I'm like, but I can't. I get up. I'm still a little dizzy. I'm like, I can't. Anyway, my side pushed myself. I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. And like, I would say, ten minutes after that, it's not. It's very hard. It's not an easy climb. It's not on a trail. It's off trail. So to make a long story short, I decided I'm gonna try to do it, and we'll see what happens. So I pushed myself, and I pushed myself, and I caught up to them. There's a, there's like a waterfall, and then you have to go all the way to the right. I mean, I'm doing this since I'm a little kid. I'm doing this for. 40 years um, so I know that I know the woods very very well and there was one time in my life that we went to the left and the left doesn't get you to the top of the mountain the left gets you into woods that's about till you get to any living people or anything 200 miles wow. I mean you Dunsky if you go that way there's no there's no end. It's just woods and woods and woods and woods. And we made that mistake one year, and I caught it in the middle, and we ended up being up on the mountain for 10 hours and lost and rangers and don't ask. So so I decided that I'm going to do this. So I'm, 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 I'm going, and I'm t- sitting down, and I'm going, and I'm sitting down. And I look at the waterfalls. There's no girls there, and there's no teachers there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, where did they go? Because they're supposed to... You have to go to the right, and the right, you have to, you have to go very slow. It's, it's like on all fours, just pure rocks. There's nobody on the right. There's nobody climbing on the rocks. So I start screaming. They already had gone to the left, 
They were already in the woods. Had I'm serious. Had I not gone up that mountain, we would not we would not know where they are right now. And, and you know, it, it gets dark up there five thirty six, and it's pretty cold. So it was like very much shit that I pushed myself. But I learned that you know you can talk about it and talk about it, but you got to do it yourself. And Baruch Hashem, I made it to the top of the mountain. I had my Frank and my burger and my steak. Yankee was barbecuing on top of the mountain, and 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 I felt very good that you know. Then I made it, and I thanked Hashem. I was ain't old bavado more on that mountain than I've said probably in my whole life. I was like, you got to get me to the next step, to the next step. But um, it was something very interesting that I, I want to talk about on, on this matter. Well, first of all, you have to push yourself. Not have to show them to get yourself a heart attack. But in life altogether, there are many times where you're going through stuff, and you just sit down, and you're just like, I'm going back down. It's just much easier to go back down and just get into the car and... You know, I'm dealing with with um, situation with a boy that that he's 15 and a half and he quit yeshiva and he's a pothead from a very firm family and all he does all day is smoke pot and with his friends and he gave up. He sat down like me and he said, "It's just easier to not to live life and easier to be, you know, anesthetized and and, and smoking up like that and." And I'm, I didn't speak to him today, but I'm going to tell him that. You know, I almost, I was, mama, I was embarrassed because I thought I was, it was so hard for me today that I thought I was going to throw up. And you know, the worst thing you could do is be Rabbi Wallace and throw up in front. Like, why are you throwing up? What are you like, Rabbi? What are you a weakling? You know? So I was like, God, this shouldn't happen to me. So, so Lamaisa, and I, I was sitting there on this rock, and I'm like, I really can't do it. And my heart was like, come on. I, and I was supposed to wear a monitor today to see heart, heart, you know, heart beats per minute, just. I wanted to see how, how hard it would be. Anyway, it's a long story. The battery didn't work, whatever. And, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I have to do this. I have to do this for these kids. And I shouldn't give me the credit to do it. And I was thinking to myself, I was sitting there, because last night I went somewhere and to a support group. I went to speak to a bunch of women whose kids are off the derech. So I went to speak to a support group of women that get together every once in a while, and they talk about their problems with their children. So they invited me a long time ago, and they keep calling me. So finally, last night, I went to talk to the support group. And, and, and I was thinking to myself, so we got into this whole, there's a, I have to be careful what I say. So I'll be a little, I'll be a little careful. Um, so the whole psychology of this generation is, like I told you, that rabbi wrote, you have to be nice. Well, forget about that. These people were so hurt by that article, like, like, you know, I, I, I did everything for my kid, and I'm there for them. And you, some rabbi, you don't know my kid, you don't know nothing. And you're telling me that all kids are off the dirt because I'm not nice. So there's a lot of people hurt by this rabbi writing this. I don't know why he wrote it. I don't know what that means. I don't know what nice means. People are very hurt by this. And and I can tell you, all of you in this room, and make sure you have children, that that it's something to worry about and something not to worry about. You can be the best parent. You can be really. I know people that are the best parents in the world. And their kids are so off the derech, the Machal Shabbos, that they're, they're, they're so far off the derech, and the parents did nothing wrong. You have to have siyata deshmaya, and you have to love your kids a lot, and show them that you love them a lot. That has to be the first ingredient, because again, you can't criticize me and tell me what to do if you don't love me. But you also have to be strict and you also have to have consequence and this whole generation of therapists and rabbis that are out there and I'm not saying all therapists and all rabbis it's just a group of and that are telling Klai Yisrael that 
if your child wants to do a sin, right, then buy the sin for them. And if he wants to do it, I mean, people are telling me that this guy's out there and he's telling everyone that, that you know, if the guy's a girlfriend, so let them be in the room in your house. Why should you let them be in somewhere else? So I was like, what are you, crazy? How are you going to answer to Hashem that you helped them become Chayv Kares? Right? You, you, you're doing the linen. You're giving them clean linen and cleaning up the room. And here, here's the key. Bring your girlfriend up into the room. You're out of your mind? You want to do an Avera? The Gemara says, dress in black. And go to a different town. Why does the Gemara say, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll make a special house for you. And we'll heat it for you. We'll do the linens for you. And we'll feed you with food. And we'll take care of you. That's, that's not Torah. And then everyone says, Wallstein, what's wrong with you? It's a different day and age. Okay, so then let's, let's eat Chazer. And let's turn on the lights on Shabbos. Because Chazer used to have tapeworm. So people used to say that the reason that God told the Jews not to eat chazer is they have this tape, this worm inside that if you eat it will, will hurt, will, will make you very sick. But today they treat the pigs so they don't have tapeworm. So it's different days. You can eat chazer. And the old days, making fire, you have to sit there with a flint. But today it's different. Where, where does bringing up a child Right? You could say the Torah is old and different, but when it comes to mitzvahs, not. Once you say different, I'm out of here. Because why are you picking and choosing to bring up a child that's different? A lot of other stuff that's different. So, so I went to the support group, but I was different like three hours last night. And I'm like, you gotta tell your kid it's wrong. I'm not bad buying you the cigarettes. There's someone very close to me in my family who smokes. And every time I go to Israel, he says, could you go to duty free? Right? And get me cigarettes. What? I'm, I smoke anyway. I'm smoking. I've been smoking for 30 years. So I smoke anyway. So why do I have to spend $50 more a pack, a, a, a carton, if you're going anyway, and I'm smoking anyway, so buy me the cigarettes. And I'm like, because the cigarette that I buy you, one of them might take one of your cells and turn it into cancer. So why would I buy you cigarettes? Even if you're smoking, I'm not going to supply you with the stuff that's going to hurt you. I'm not going to let you come into my house with a girl. If you want to stay out till 4 o'clock in my house, the door closes at 11. No, no. This day and age, you just, you, you just have to leave the front door open anytime they want to come. You're nuts. You're out of your mind. What is that? What is that? What's going to be the next generation? What's his kid going to do? If he wants to blow up the house. You have to let him blow up the house. Like, like, hello? No, it's, it's, you're laughing, but this is, and, and, and I'm sitting in this room with these people, and they're like, well, well, we're all mixed up because, because we're told this way and you're told this way. And I'm like, if I love you and I take care of you, then I have a right, right, to ask you to step up. What, what is this? No one has to step up. Nobody has to do anything. If, if I love you and I take care of you, isn't there a hakar satov? Isn't there a relationship? What's a relationship? So to them, relationship, give, give, buy them the marijuana, buy them the cigarettes. If she wants to wear pants, you should go buy them the pants. I'm not buying you pants. Pants is wrong. You want to wear pants? I can't stop you from wearing pants outside my house. You don't wear pants in my house. I'm very sorry. A, 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 a restaurant has, has, has a dress code. Hello? You can't come in to, to the, to the opera in shorts. When you get to the front door, you're gonna say, excuse me sir, I'm sorry, I have a ticket! I bought a ticket! Well, sorry, no refunds, but you can't come in in shorts. 
You think you go to Metropolitan Opera in shorts? Try it. And a cut-off t-shirt and sneakers? You're not getting in. But what do you mean? I bought a ticket. Right? And the answer is, is a dress code. That's not Judaism. That's not my house. That's Metropolitan Opera. Did you already, did you pay for a ticket? You can't walk in there in shorts. No way can you walk in there in shorts. But I should go buy you the pants. So the answer is, well, they're on such a level and they're so disconnected. So, so, so you buy them the pants because, no, because as long as they don't know that there's a consequence, I'm a person. I said it last night. The, t- the Torah is new. You're 100%. But if you want to change the Torah, that it's new, do we have to change the source of the verse? One mitzvah I want to change. Instead of kavit es levichah v'simecha, kavit es levichah Even rhymes better. Right? Honor your children. Because different times. In the old days, was to honor your parents. But in these days, you have to honor your children. And, 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 and the proof of the pudding is, and I said to these people last night, I'm like, you think I'm wrong? Look at your generation, and look at my generation. Oh, but it's different. Times are different. What was different? I didn't have. A, I didn't, we didn't have Yetzirah, so we didn't have cell phones. We had something else. Trust me. The Yetzirah told Yaakov Avinu when Yaakov Avinu asked him, "What's your name?" Mashmecha. He said, "Lomazetishal." Why are you asking me? I will be there in every generation, but I will be different. I'm going to Zara, stealing, pornography, cell phones. Every generation is going to have its test. The Holocaust. Every generation is going to have its test. He doesn't say, oh, Wallstein's generation, 50 years ago, Yetzirah was sleeping. He just didn't have the weapons. All of a sudden, the Yetzirah, this generation, they gave him new weapons. He had weapons then. He has different weapons now. He, ha- he changes. He's a changeling. And he told Yaakov Levino, I'm going to give you my name now. I'm going to tell you texting in, in two years from now. It's going to be Snapshot or Instagram or something else. If you think I'm done with Instagram and all that stuff, wait till you see what I'm going to have in two years from now. He's always there. He, it, it, it's always there. So, so I felt, I felt, I felt very bad, Lamaisa. But, but you, you have, you have a family, you have a house. This is my house. And you're my child and you live with me in my house. It's not your house. Did you buy the house? Did you pay the mortgage? It made Hashem. I'm going to teach you how to have a house. And therefore, one day, you will bring up your children and you will have a house. Right now, it's my house. And my chinuch is how to live in a house. Not to come in at 4 o'clock at night. Not to smoke in your room. Not to do whatever you want. Not to get off the Shabbos table whenever you want. So, so what happened? So the parents were asking me, but, but they say, if you don't, if you don't let me come home, then I'm going to go somewhere worse. So you're a terrorist? So that's it. So I said, all your parents, you're terrorized? So if that's, if that's the threat, that's the threat, because guess what? He's going to stay in your house until he gets bored. He's still going to go somewhere else one day. You're not going to win this. So, does your door always have to be open? Absolutely. A parent's door always has to be open to his child. But not at 4 o'clock in the morning. Not at 4 o'clock in the morning, because I have a home, and I have children, and the restaurant closes at 12, kosher delight. I'm very sorry. You can't stand there and bang on their window at 4 o'clock in the morning, right? Do me a, do me a favor. Leave kosher delight. Do me a favor. Leave the door open. So if I'm hungry at 4 o'clock, we can come in and leave some francs on the grill, right? I'm really sorry. We're running an establishment. You want to come eat? We're here till 12 o'clock. We love you. We'll serve you. We'll make you anything you want to eat as long as you pay for it, right? But we're here till 12 o'clock, but I'm not here till 4 o'clock. 
So, so you think you're helping your kid? I think you're destroying the fiber of the home and you're destroying the fiber of the child. And I said to them last night, I said, and I am very sorry, this Torah is the way I was brought up. This Torah was given forever. And that's why it talks about homosexuality in the Torah. And it says it's a to'eva, whatever it says. And when I was growing up, Jersey yesterday made it legal to marry, you know, same-sex marriages. And when I was growing up, it did not exist. And when I saw that in the Torah, I was like, what's that? Right? That used to happen in the old, in the, in the Stone Ages. People used to marry each other and animal and bestiality, all this, all this stuff that, all the, all those lava and har grizim and har evo, all those terrible ervas. And, and I was learning as a kid, I'm like, wow, those people were bad. You know, but they lived 3,000 years ago. Right? No. If they're here, it didn't change. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. So, so you can't, you can't go there and start saying that times change. We have to do other things. And I, some people got angry at me last night. One person in, in particular got very angry at me. And he, he walked in at the end and he was screaming at me. He, he totally didn't understand what I was saying. What, what I was saying is, so, so there, 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 there are certain schools that don't take kids from parents that, um, that are working. Uh, they just want parents that are learning. So when I spoke to the people of the school, they, they had they had they had a they had a very good point. Their, their point was that if you're going to have a child from a, a working father who's making a nice panasa, right, and then you have a child from a kailo father who's really he's really struggling, you put these two kids in class. One guy's going to have smiley socks, right? Those new smile, happy socks, whatever they're called. And he's going to have the latest technology, and he's going to have the latest clothing because his father's making a nice living. And the Kylo kid's going to sit there, and he's a kid, so he's looking at this other kid. And he's like, and he's going to come home. He's going to like, Tati, why can't I have this? And then he has to explain. It's a very good explanation, by the way. He's going to have to explain because I'm learning. So the kid in his head is going to say, so then I don't want learning. My father was learning is poor. This guy's father was working is rich. So to put them all in one, to put them all in one class, going to cause a lot of. A lot of chaos and a lot of friction. I said, I hear you. It's not. It's not a. It's 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 a very serious and good thought. I said, but let's look at it on the other side. I said, maybe we need to teach our children before they go to school that not everything is a color of your sock, and that, and maybe in yeshiva we need to give them values because in life you're always going to see someone else that has a nicer car. And you're always going to see someone that has a nicer house. So when you understand that Akash Baruch Hu gives each one of us what we need, so, okay, well, what, so why do you, why do I have to go through the whole trouble? Just have kids from Kylo's. So I said, I'll tell you why. And this was my feeling, and, and, and I might be wrong. My feeling was, because those 800 kids that are in that yeshiva, what do they think of a balabas? In other words, we're saying that a kid whose father is working, can't be in that school. So that kid is growing up looking at a person who's working as a guy. Not a guy, but different. We can't afford in Kleistral any more rifts. We got enough rifts. We can't afford to bring up a generation that looks at a man who goes to Dafyami at 5.30 in the morning and, and, and has a chavusa at night and takes off two weeks, right, for Yachekala. And every time he has a day off, 
there's a shiva in Rabbi Reisman's shul, whether it's Christmas or New Year's or Thanksgiving, that shul is packed. I've spoken there, right? And all these men, it's not, they have, finally have a day off. They have a day off. They work very hard. Where do they go? They go to learn a whole day or four hours in a row. You can't puzzle that man. You can't say that that person, right, that, that, that there's something wrong with him. But if I'm growing up in a yeshiva where nobody in my class is allowed to have a father that works, so that means a father, that means that a father that works is different. And, and Yisacha is Vulin, there's Yisacha and there's a Vulin and there's 12 Shvatim, and one was Yehuda, again, I, I, I'm talking from the Torah, right? One was Yehuda, was kingdom, Levi was Kahuna, Yisacha was learning, Zvulin was working, thought every one of them, thought had different business, every one of them had something else, and, and, and they lived together. And that, that's what makes Klai Yisrael, you have to be able to put them together. So I felt very, I felt very much that, that you can't kill her, you can't, Yes, there's nothing nicer and there's nothing better. And I can tell you this because I have a son-in-law like this. I have a son-in-law, my oldest son-in-law, I told him, I said, my oldest son-in-law is a Rebbe. My next son-in-law is sitting and learning maybe for life. My third son-in-law is from Lakewood. My fourth son-in-law is learning in Eretz Yisrael. So Rebbe Walsh is not against learning because all my kids are doing that, right? But I'm not telling my kids that someone who's not learning that there's something wrong with them. That's, that's not, that's not cholesterol. That's not Tyra. What do you do with all the tzaddikim in the Torah that we're working? So the answer, the answer that I'm given is that they're different. Moshe Rabbeinu was different. The times are different. What does that mean? Moshe Rabbeinu was as Kaddish as anybody else. Moshe Rabbeinu was a shepherd. Yosef HaTzadik, he went out to see his brothers. They were all shepherds. Right? These people, Yitzchak was not. So there is a Kail. Yitzchak never, did not work. And Yaakov Avinu went for 14 years to yeshiva. But there's a mix. Right? David HaMelech was a shepherd. So there are a lot of Tanoim in the Gemara that was Sandla, was, that they did, they did jobs. So you can't parcel those Tanoim and you can't say, well, those were different times because the Torah is forever. So there are people who are, who make shoes and they're huge Sadiqim. And there are people sitting in Koilo, who are you Sadiqim? And there are people who are working, who are you Sadiqim? Right? And, and, and there's no question, and, and there's no question, because I want, I want to, I want to take this apart so that you, I'm not, I'm not missing anything. There's no question, and I, and I would advise this to everyone, that when your children, when your son gets married, if he's, if he's 20 or 21, that he should go to Eretz Yisrael, or he should go somewhere and learn for two, three years. Because to take today, a 21 year old guy out of yeshiva, right, where we hope he's insulated, today not many of us are insulated, because of the internet and everything, and then just throw him in the workplace with Gaisha secretaries, and internet, and just throw him into that, or throw him into college, He's in, he's in a college that's co-ed, right? And just, he's not ready for that. And, and he's going to go down really fast. He's not. We're not. You can't take a 21-year-old yeshiva boy and just throw him out there. So yes, it's good if he's married. He should spend a year or two. He should learn an Eretz Yisrael. He should be insular. He should build up his Kedusha. He should build up his Tzibah. He should go to Vosikim by the Kedusha. So he should, he, because he, he, if he's going to go to work, he's going to step into crazy tumor. Crazy tumor. So I, 100%, and she should go with him, and she's gonna to go to work, and, and some of these girls, they, they become secretaries, and they don't even realize what, what's, you know, being said about them, and what's going on, all of a sudden they're in trouble, there's no Shiloh, if he's gonna learn, that's the best, if you can do it and you can afford it, two years, three years, go learn. 
build yourself up because once you're in the workplace there's no question the tumult in the workplace is not in the base of Medrash and it's, it's very hard and I'm not chasham against that but don't start saying or that kids in other words these kids are going to grow up believing that you know and not only that not only that and I, and I just told this to some of the head of a seminary when you get up and you tell a 12th grader right you tell all your 12th graders you need to marry a Kyle guy you need to marry a guy who's going to learn that's it if you marry anyone else you, you, you're, you, you lost out you're a loser those people have to think about the mitzvah of Kibbutz of Ahim because that girl comes home and her father's working and her teacher who she believes in who she's following and her Rebetzin is getting up and saying that the only way this is the only way and don't you dare go out with a boy who's half learning and half working what you're saying to these kids and they have expressed it to me is in their head that my father was not a good shidduch for my, was not good. my mother didn't get someone good my, my, my mother got someone who's working to be so careful when you speak in Kleistral we cannot start pulling Kleistral apart you're learning it's great you're learning and working it's great you should work honestly and you should learn if you're learning all the time and you're really learning it's amazing if Chaim Kainesky would not be I don't think he would be where he is if he was selling plastic bags I don't think so he's a girl because he sits 20 hours a day and he learns there's no Shiloh there's no Shiloh and if we could all do that that would be great but don't denounce the guy who gets up at 5 o'clock and you know Balabatim don't have Ben Azmanim I always say that. My, the Reverend Rabbi Weinfeld, whoever gives Daf Yemi, doesn't say, okay, it's Ben the next month, don't come to Daf Yemi. Right? So, everybody has their place. And, and people shouldn't talk bad about Kailel, okay? Because there are people who talk bad about Kailel, well, these guys, they're, they're keeping, if there's no Taira, there's no, there's no nation, there's no Kaisal, there's nothing. A guy who's sitting and learning, you should help him, and he's, he's Kaddish, and he's keeping the world, and, and, and at the same time, a person who's sitting and learning, and he's honest in business, right? And he keeps the halachas that he's supposed to in business, and he's, and he has Shmira Senayim, and he's a good father, and he's a good husband, and Hashem's eyes, every single person, according to what he is, that's how you're judged. And you shouldn't, we shouldn't start because, because even though it makes sense what you're saying that the kid's going to be richer and, or poor, whatever it is, when you divide them over here, the next generation they're over here, the next generation they're over here, and all of a sudden you have major rift in the firm world. We are not that big. We do not have that kind of room. And, and this is something I spoke about last night. And the person I'm going to walk in just at the end of it, and he thought I was like denouncing Kyle. I'm like, you got the wrong guy. My kids are, most of my kids are in Kyle, or whatever it is. But I'm not denouncing anything. There's no such thing as denouncing. If, if you're learning Tyra, unbelievable. If you're working and learning Tyra, unbelievable. If you're honest, you have to be honest. If you, if you, right? It's all good. It all has its place. If you can learn your whole life. And you could afford to learn your whole life, and that's what you're. There's nothing more beautiful than a, than a husband and a wife, and that the wife. It's not a bad thing; it's a beautiful thing. And the wife, she is machshiv Torah, and this is what she wants. She wants to, that her husband is learning Torah. And when he comes home, he tells her over what he learned, and even if she's a speech therapist or an OT, whatever it is, and she's supporting him because she wants to support him because this is what the two of them want. It's the, it's the most beautiful, that is the most beautiful thing that anybody can have. And the Gedalim have it. Their wives, I mean, the Chobetz Chaim's wife had a store. She go learn. 
And there's many, many stories of, of all the, of the Gedolim where their wives were like, you go learn. Rav Chaim Kaneski, it was known that the Rebbitzin took care of him. Just her, Simchas HaChaim, was that she had a husband that wrote all those for him and that was learning all the time. She, that was what she wanted. So she took care of him in such a way that that's what he had to, just, you just learn. You suffer, it'll be there, whatever it is. He's not a good husband. No, he's a great husband. Because what's a great husband? A great husband is a, a husband that does something to make his wife happy. So if what makes his wife happy is he's going to learn with a chavrusa and then he finished Shas and he's making a seum and, and he knows all this time and he comes home and repeats it to her. Wow. That's the best shalom bias. That's the best husband in the world. But you can't make these rules and make the other people look, look bad. And that's, that's just something that, you know, I spoke about it last night, whatever, and I think it's very important. You have to look at every Jew, every Jew has his beauty. Every shavit had, every shavit, every shavit had its malchus, had its beauty, has its place. Everybody has its place. We can't knock Jewish people. We can't knock one way or the other. Everyone has to try to do the best. Of course, learning Torah is nothing better than that. I mean, that's, that's why we're here. We, if we didn't have Torah, trust me, the Jewish nation, with all the politics and Israel and all this other stuff, that's the basis, and that's why Yitzhar now in Israel, he's after, he, he's in the end, it's the end of time, and he wants to rip that. He wants to rip that Torah. That, that is, that is the foundation. The rest of it's the house building on it, but the foundation is, 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 you know, is definitely Torah. And I spoke to them last time, and I said, so therefore, the foundation is Torah, and I want to know how to bring up my children, and I want to know how to run my house. I'm not looking at a psychology book. I'm sorry. This low life Freud and all these guys, I'm not interested. It's all here. It's all in the Torah, and you can learn from every single person in the Torah how they got over, what they were going through, and all the lessons are here. And, and listen, I hate to say it, but you know, Esav went off the derech. And, and if you read the first Medrash and Pasha Shmos, right? There's nothing that didn't that you know. There's nothing that didn't happen. I said these were mothers that I met, and I said you're all in pain. Guess what? You know, if it helps you any, you want to, what mother was in pain? I said, Rivki Imenu coming up, right? By Yisraelitzu Banam Bikirba. I said, she knew she had a kid off the derech, right? Before she even gave birth. I said, Baruchshem, that you didn't go through, right? So she, she went past the church, right? Or an Apple store, right? Right? An iPod store. She, and, and this baby is trying to get out. And she's like, by Yisraelitzu Banam Bikirba. There's something wrong with this kid. He, he, he loves Tumah. He loves all the wrong things. So she went to Shane Ve'ever and she said, I got a kid off the derech. I didn't give birth to him yet. I said, ladies, you want, you want to see a situation? She didn't give birth to her yet. She's like, I got a kid off the derech and I didn't give birth. What's going on? Because she didn't know there were two. So she's like, this kid, he wants to go to shul, then he wants to go to church, then he wants to go to shul, then he wants to go to the movies, then he wants to go to shul, then he's going to a phone store. He wants to go, what, what's going on over here? Right? She said, I don't know what's going on over here. And he, and he told her there's two of them. Right? So she had this, she, she had a situation. Let's go way back, I, I said. Let's go back to, to Avram Avinu. What a situation. Because they were telling me, uh, you know, sometimes you have to both be on the n- number one thing in Chinuch of your children is you both have to be on the same page. In your bedroom, when you go privately and you close the door and you want to talk about your kids, you don't have to be on the same page. But in front of them, Co- it's divide and conquer with kids. So they, they can't see mommy and Tati fighting about it. Should we let the kid in? Shouldn't we let? Should we do this? Should we do that? You're over. It's finished. Because if I can split up my parents, then, I, then I'm running the house. You work for me. 
right? So you can never argue in front. You can have the discussion in a room, but never in front of your kids. You can't have an argument in front of your kids. And there are sometimes. Some of us are rachamim, some of us are din, right? Some of us are, come on, let him in, you can't let him out in the cold. It's very hard with a child, you know, I, I talk about it, but it's very hard to say that if you're not in by one o'clock, the door's locked. So one or two things are going to happen. Either two or three nights you're going to have to suffer and, and the kid's not in and he's by a friend or whatever it is, and then the kid will come back, or kid may not come back. The kid has to know, I'm not shutting the door on you. My door is open till one o'clock. I'm not trying to you, but I can't. I have other. T- I I can't have my house. Is not a, is not even a hotel, right? Even a hotel or a motel. There's certain hours you can check in. You can't check in before one o'clock. You can't make up the rules, right? You go to a hotel. You want to check in before one o'clock in the afternoon. They're like, no, we're here at eleven o'clock. We got all. all it's happened to me. I got all my luggage. The room's not ready. The room is ready. Check-ins at one o'clock. You want to pay for another day? No. Well, then you have to wait down in the lobby with your luggage to 1 o'clock. It's not fair! It's the house. We're running a hotel. We're trying to run something. We're going to have people coming at 11 and at 9 and at 10, and the room is ready, the room isn't ready. And the whole place, guess what? You lose the hotel, the hotel's closed. A person, it's very hard with your own children, but if they don't, if they don't think there's any consequence, they're terrorists. They're going to push it. Okay, 4 o'clock. Now we got the 4 o'clock, right? Tomorrow it's 5 o'clock. I can smoke pot in my room. I can bring any food I want into my room. On Shabbos, I can be in my room with my friends. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. If you, if you, if it doesn't stop. So today, we're all scared. Everybody's scared of what's going to happen. If you love them when they're young and you care about them, they don't want to, they don't want to be out of your house. So yeah, if you have a house and you're screaming at them and you tell them you're sick and you're this and you're that, so I don't want to be here. So. It doesn't matter whether you let me in or not. I don't want to. I don't want to hear this. But if you have a relationship, the basis of the basis of chinuch is, is to give them time, which is very hard, and to spend time with your kids and to show them that you love them. And showing someone that you love them is sometimes saying no. My kid wants to put her hand on the steam. I have to slap it away or take it away or say no. Oh, put your hand on the steam. Go burn yourself. Right. No parent would say that. So why can I? Why am I buying you the cigarettes? Why am I buying you the alcohol? Why am I taking you? One guy said, "If your kid drinks, and take him to the bar." Are you crazy? You, you want to take? You're going to take him to the bar. You're going to buy him the alcohol. So then one day, when he's an alcoholic and he cuts from drives off a cliff, so he may do it anyway. But you don't want to be the one who gave him the alcohol to drive off the cliff. What are you talking about? But he's going to do it anyway. This guy's going to smoke anyway. But I don't want to give him the cigarette. That God forbid is going to turn that cell into cancer. That's not going to come from me. If he's going to do it, that's your choice. It's your choice what you want to do. But if he's going to do it, so, so I went back last night and I said, "I'll show you the I'll show you the ultimate case that comes to my table and comes to therapist's table and rabbi's table all the time." Avraham Avinu has a son named Yishmael. Yishmael is very close to his father. And his father loves him. It's his first, it's his first one. And one day, Sarah, Yemenu, comes to Avram and says, you gotta throw your son out. And Avram Avinu says, no. I'm not throwing him out. It's very bad. Look at the Pusik says. Very bad in my eyes. He's talking to Sarah Yemenu. He's talking to his wife. So we're having this that we have all the time that I hear all the time where the mother is like I'm not putting up with this I'm running a home he's got to be out of the house and the father's like hey chill 
you know, let him stay. Okay? So Avram Avinu says to her, you have to see this. Avram Avinu says to her, it's, a, it's an unbelievable lotion that he uses. Further toward the end, toward the end, toward the end. Oh, here. Meidah Yelad. Batera Sara is Ben Hagar and Mitzvahs. Asher Yogel Avram Mitzachik. Sorry, Menu Sor, that this boy is affecting Yitzchak, right? Gilead Royas, Ritzicha. He's doing bad things, and he's affecting her son. Fatayim Avram, she was din. Sorry, man, it was din. Fatayim Avram, go and show Mazoyz Bezbena. Throw him out. Throw him out. Vayera, listen to the pasuk. Vayera hadavar meod beene Avram al oides benay. Now she said, throw out Hagar and Yishmael. Romavino had a big problem with Yishmael. He loved them very much. There's a whole medrash on this. And the Pasik says, not Vayera Hadavar, he didn't like it. Vayera Hadavar Ma'oid. It hurt him very much. It was, to him, it was a very bad thing to throw his son out, right? So he said, I'm not throwing him out. I understand what you're saying, and he's affecting your thought. He'll do tshuva. Rabbi was rachamim. He'll be okay. He'll change. And he did change at the end, but we don't have to throw him out. We use different tactics. So he man set out. He said no. So where did he go? Not somewhere we can go. I mean, we can't ask, but he went to Hashem. He said, I don't know what to do. I got this boy off the derech. He's off the derech. I know he's off the derech. But I think we can work him. I think we can work him. I think we can work with him. But Sarimenu said, he's affecting Yitzchak. So he's affecting someone else in the house. He's a machti. You can't work with a machti. We can't lose. And I can tell you from my, my experience, Rabbi Wallstein has made this mistake in my past, and I paid big for it, where I had a girl in my school who was a machti. And, and, and many times through the all 36 years where I have a kid in my class and he was taking all the other kids down and I just didn't have the heart to send them out. So I said, I, I wanted to save one and I lost 10 or 15 or sometimes a whole class. Because every time I said something, he would make a joke and the whole thing would go out the window and I didn't have the craft to throw him out and I lost the whole year. That year I didn't teach anything. And so in the end, what did I do? I said, I want to save one kid. I had Rachamim. Is that Rachamim? That wasn't Rachamim on the other 10 kids. The other ten kids would have been good kids. So I didn't have Rachamim on them, I had Rachamim on him. But if I had Rachamim on them, if I had pity on them, I would have thrown him out. Why don't they deserve to learn? He was disturbing the class. So it's called mistake in Rachamim is, is din. It's the biggest mistake I made. And this didn't happen once in my life. It happened many times. I just, I, I, I couldn't do it to him. I lost all the other kids though. So I didn't have Rachamim. That was, that was, I sacrificed all of them. That's not Rachamim. Sacrifice not Rachamim. I sacrificed my whole class to save him. In the end, he destroyed my whole class. 
So over here, sorry, Menos, like your Rachman over here is misplaced. He has to leave. If he, she never said anything about Yishmael until he affected Yitzchak. It's, it's very, very clear, right, that she saw she He was he was doing bad things and it was affecting her son. Okay. So Layoma Elokim al Avram. Ow! Now, Akash Baruch should have said, right? Akash Baruch should have said such a big lesson. Akash Baruch should have said, you gotta listen to Sarimenu. She's right. He's taking down Yitzchak, your future. You gotta send them out. Hashem said even much deeper. Hashem said, Don't even feel bad about it. Hashem didn't say, throw them, get rid of them, she's right. He said, you're making a mistake. What's your mistake? The biggest mistake is having pity when someone's hurting another person and having pity on them. That is not pity. Don't let it bother you. I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is what the Pasuk says. The Pasuk says, don't let it bother you. She's right. It should not bother you. But it's my son, and I love him. That's right. But he's hurting your other son. Why? Because Yisra is going to be the one that's going to be your future. So I told the support group last night. I said, you're not allowed to ever throw your kid out. You're never allowed to throw a child out. No child should be able to turn around and say, my parents threw me out of the house. No. There's a consequence. You threw yourself out of the house. I didn't throw you out of the house. One o'clock, the door was locked, and you came at 105. I didn't throw you out of the house. You came to the house. There was a consequence. I don't throw anybody out. I don't throw anyone out of school. But if you are, if you test positive for drugs, you're not coming back until you're clean. Right, Walton threw you out. Right, Walton throw you out. You threw you out. The rule is no drugs. You took drugs. I threw you out. I didn't, I didn't put the drugs down your mouth. Then, then I threw, then I caused you to be thrown out. I didn't buy you the drugs for you. I didn't shoot you up. I didn't give you the drugs. What are you talking about? I threw you out. I didn't throw you out. I'm not throwing anybody out. You threw you out. Well, because Baruch said this, and Ramavino, because Baruch said, don't even feel bad, because he's affecting your other child. So the big question last night, what happens if the kid off the derech in your house is taking your other kids down? That was taking the other kids down. She's coming in a short skirt. She's 16. All of a sudden, your 14-year-old's beginning to wear short skirts. And your 12-year-old's like, why can't I? And all of a sudden, your whole house is turning inside out. So what do you do? I said, psychologically, what I'm about to say you, you tell me I'm a terrible person. I learned the Torah. The Torah says, don't even feel bad. Don't even feel bad. If that kid is taking down all the other kids, you can't feel bad. you got to help him. Because if you read the Medrash onwards, so you have to learn the whole picture. Avram Avinu might have sent Yishmael away, but Avram Avinu never stopped taking care of Yishmael and stopped talking to Yishmael. You know, people throw kids out of Yeshiva, Right? Now we're going to get all these emails. Oh, you see? I threw this kid out of yeshiva because he was being a mahti. So I did the right thing. Yeah? Well, then you got to finish the whole picture. There's a fascinating medrash. That when Sari Menu died, Abraham Avinu 
this week's parasha, in this week's parasha, Medrash Rabbah, Ramavinu got on a, got on a, himself, he was an old man, got on a donkey, went into the desert where Yishmol lived. It's an unbelievable Medrash. He, he, he wanted to see his son. He never disconnected from him. He sent him out of the house because he didn't want him to affect Yitzchak. So he went to see Yishmol. Yishmol, it says, was out in the field. He wasn't home. He came, and Yishmol was married to, I don't know, it says who he was married to, and he comes to the tent, and the woman that Yishmol married, Avram's on, the, on his donkey, whatever it is, she, she doesn't even ask him, can I give you food, can I give you water? You know, Yishmol was brought up by the three malachim, we see he sent them right away, the anar, get the tongue, get this, get that. So he was brought up in an unbelievable house, and this woman doesn't even offer Avram Avinu to get off the donkey to give him water, to wash his feet, to give him anything. So I don't have the measures in front of me. So he leaves a cryptic message with this wife to tell Yishmael when he gets back, tell him I left him this message. And the message was in a cryptic way. You know the message? That his doorposts were not the right way. That his doorposts were not the right way, that's what he told him. Okay. So he said, your mezuzahs are not the right way. So he understood that she's not, she didn't know. That was the message. He goes back home at Ramavino, right? And maybe 30 days later, or maybe even less, he goes back to see Yishmael. So you have to understand, he might have sent them out of the house, but they were never disconnected. He goes back, and there's a new, and, and Yishmael wasn't there again, and he comes to the tent, and the lady says, please get off the donkey, can I get you something to eat? And it's a different lady. It's not the one that was there before. So he got the message that you got to get rid of this one because she doesn't have the midos, and then you should be married to this one. He gives her a bracha, it says the whole thing, Abraham gives her a bracha, and you smaller bracha, whatever it is. So, so he didn't just throw him out, he continually was, was accessible to him, and he spoke to him, and he was worried about him, and as you see, he ran away right, he ran right away to him. So, it, yeah, you, sometimes you have to separate someone, but they, at the end of the day, if you don't, if you throw a kid out of yeshiva, because he's a machti, and the, and, and the halach is you have to, and Hashem's like, al yei rameinai, there's a time where you can't have rachman. Lahavdol elef, alfei avdolos, nobody should ever know. There's sometimes you need an operation, you have to cut away part of a person's body. It's terrible, right? At the end of the day, it saves a person's life. So sometimes when, when there's a, a child that's affecting other child, uh, children, being, being a Rachamon and keeping him there, in the end, you're not being a Rachamon on the other kids. You're being a Rachamon on him, but you're not being a Rachamon on the other kids. But, how does that kid know if you really did it for the right reasons, or you just get rid of him because you don't care about him? You follow up. That's how he knows. It, so why are you calling me? And why are you finding out what yeshiva I got into? Why are you helping me get into yeshiva? So if I'm a Mahdi, right, that's why you sent me out. So now that I'm away from the other kids, now you should be trying to help me because I'm not hurting anyone right now. So you should be calling my mother and helping me and getting me tutors and getting me chavruses and, and how you're doing and I'm sorry, you know, we, we're, not, we're not happy about this but we have to do it, whatever it is. But if he doesn't get all those phone calls and he doesn't hear anything, then he knows that, nah, that's not why they sent me out. So the major says that there's a lot of follow-up between Avraham Avinu and Yishmael and in the end, Yishmael did tshuva and he died at Tzadik. He died, he died doing tshuva. So that's, that's a very important follow-up. So the children, there has to be a follow-up to that child. Not like, okay, you know, I don't care anymore. It has to be, I care about you. So now you made this decision. So I'm not minding your drugs. I'm not helping you do wrong things. Because in the end of the day, how do you answer Takosh Baruch that I helped you do wrong things? Because I loved you? 
Well, what does that mean? I loved you. I helped you be Mechal Shabbos. I helped you not to be Tzniyas. That means I love you. What am I going to do with you in the next world? How am I going to answer that? In the next world, if I love you, I bring you into Ganeiden, not into Gehenim. I don't help you go to Gehenim. I help you go to Ganeiden. And I and I and, and I, I spoke to them and I said, and, and this is a point I made last week, but it's such a strong point because it has helped this week. I, I can't even explain it to you, and I don't know how strong I was last week. At the end of the day, a lot of people off the derech and on the derech really feel that God only cares about your Judaism. That's all he cares. Can you do me a favor and go? Let's see who's here. Get it for me. Um, Maishi, do me a favor. Go get me a Masechtis Yuma. A Mishnayis Masechtis Yuma. So, and I, and I had this discussion last night. I think this is so important that we need to know this. Kids believe sometimes that to their parents, how from they are, and if they keep Shabbos and kosher, is more important than, than, them, than them themselves. And some people believe that to God, right, to God, it's more important that you do put on your tefillin and your davin than you. My, my, my Judaism, what's important to God, he doesn't care about me. And the proof is that, they, and this is what one of the girls said to me, the proof is that there are certain things that if you do wrong, you chayef kares. What's kares? Kares means that you cut off. So what father would cut you off if he, if he cares about you? So how could there be something in the Torah that causes courage? Fantastic question, by the way. She asking a simple question. If I do something wrong, then I'm chayef kares. It means that God says, you're, you're, not, you're not that important to me. You did something wrong, you're gone, you're cut off. So we don't really understand what does it mean kares. It's, it's kares me'amcha, and you can do tshuva. You can do tshuva till the last second. person can do tshuva. So that's number one. So he's saying, you did something that the consequence... Of what you did, right? We're connected with a rope. I'm pulling you up a mountain. You cut the rope. So I'm not punishing you as you're falling down the mountain. I didn't punish you. You cut the rope. So we, we have to understand that, that in Yiddishkeit, there are, in, in, in the Shema world, there, in the physical world, there are consequences. If I, if I take a, a, a crystal cup and I drop it on the floor, it's going to smash into a hundred pieces, right? That's the consequence. The floor is not angry at the crystal. The floor is not doing it because it wants to get revenge. There's a consequence. Well, in the spiritual world, everything you do, you put on filling, you say an amen, I'll tell you a crazy story about amen tonight. You say an amen, there's a crazy consequence. Everything you do in the spiritual world moves something. Everything you do in the physical world moves something. And there's consequence. So in the Torah, there are certain there are certain consequences if you do something, and the consequences is you cut the rope. You cut the rope. The consequence is you're falling down the mountain. You can't scream at the person who has the rope, who gave you the rope. Hashem gave you the rope, right? To go to Elam Haba to be connected to him, and you did something that is so severe that you're neshama cut. You cut the rope. But Hashem says, "I'll throw you another one. Just do tshuva. Give you another rope. No problem." Just to chew, you get another rope. So that's that's what I told the girl. But I said I want I, I want to read you a Mishnah, which is which is so important. So I, I blew it out the door, and I said to her, "The bottom line, you're totally wrong. Why are you totally wrong? Because there is no mitzvah of the six hundred thirteen mitzvahs that you can't that you can't be over if it's a low say or not do because it's an essay to save somebody's life." So now, if if Shabbos was more important to Hashem than me, then how come you can be Mechal Shabbos to save my life? 
You can do anything, anything, to save a Jew's life. Even the three of Eris, of Gileamoyas, of, of adultery, Shvichas Dam and Avoid Zara, right? If a guy puts a gun to you and he says, I'm going to kill you, or else you have to do this, you have to, those three you have to do. But if you don't do it, you're like, I, I, I'm bowing down to the idol. I can't. I, I can't. I, I can't get my head blown off, right? You're not over. You're not over in Avera. So the halach is you should do it, but if you don't do it, you're not over it. So there's nothing. You should die. Those three you have to die for. But let's say you don't. I can't. I can't. All right? At the end of the day, you're not high. You're not high. You're not over in Avera. By, by God, you're not. Our whole truth is a, I think before Pesach was a, has to do with power or whatever. But anyway, the bottom line is that Akash Baruch Hu says that my whole Torah, which you think is so important to me, that's what that's all I'm interested in. If you're in danger of dying, there's no Torah. We do whatever we have to. You have to eat chazer, we give you chazer. A pregnant woman, she's not dying, right? But she's going to be mopful. She's going to lose the child. And she walks by and she smells kachim or she smells something that you have, you have to give her to eat that she, should, that she shouldn't be mopful, right? You have to give her to eat. So, so how could you tell me that to God, his Torah is more important than me if in the Torah it says v'chai behem and Hatzalah is flying all day on Shabbos, ambulances, guys being v'chal Shabbos, running around, jumping around because... What happens if someone gets cut? What do you want? He's going to have to get stitches. Why, why is that hot solid guy allowed to come? Because he gets cut by metal. There's poison in metal. It can become an infection. It can get to his heart. It can kill him. Right? So there's a possibility, one percent possibility, that the person will die from this. I'm in a car, sirens, lights, machalo, elevators, whatever I have to do, machalo shams. So if, 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 if to God, the most important thing was his mitzvah, why is he letting you be machalo? Let the guy die. So that's a proof. Not only that, so if a God does that, a parent who's keeping the Torah and it says, Bechaimahem, surely has to keep his child alive no matter what. So how could Shabbos be more important than you if the Torah says you're important, more important than Shabbos? Your life is more important than Shabbos. So I said it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mystery, it's a, a fantasy that you think that the Hashem, right, the Yitzhah puts that in your head. He doesn't care about you, God. He doesn't care about you. He cares about how you put on your tefillin. Really. Really? If I, if I can't, if I'm, I'm putter, if my life is in danger. But you want, I want you to hear how far it goes. So there's a, there's a mission in Yuma, and the girl, there's nothing to answer to this. There's nothing to answer. That's the bottom line. God is telling us all, at the end of the day, your life is more important than any one of my mitzvahs. It's crazy. Not only that, not only that, if you're chas shalom dead, you're not even alive. You're dead, and you're laying in a field, and a Klein Godol is on his way to do Malacha, to, to do the Avodah and Yom Kippur, and you're in Mace Mitzvah, he has to be Matama. It's more important that, that you bury a dead person, not a live person. That you bury a dead Jew, you let, you let, you have to become Tame. A Klein Godol has to become Tame. I let somebody else do it? No. You can't leave a body, a dead body. Hashem says that dead body is more important right now to me than you Klein, than you being Tahar. Hello? So this whole thing that God's just into, you know, my mitzvahs and he doesn't care about anything else, is baloney. Total baloney. But listen to this Mishnah. The Mishnah says, follow.
finishes actually. Where is the mission says if you're walking and you come upon here, Obra Shehericha is in Yuma Perakes Mishnehei. Obra Shehericha Machilin Oisay Achetosh Nasha. If a pregnant woman smelled food or drink on Yom Kippur and requested that they should feed her, right? They have to give it to her. Why? Because it may be dangerous to her or her unborn child. So the kid's not even here yet. The kid's not even alive yet. He's not even in this world yet. You can eat on Yom Kippur. The child's not even here yet. You shouldn't lose the child. You can eat on Yom Kippur. Okay, they should first whisper. They should try to calm down her craving, right? But if you have no choice and she's tackled very sick, you have to at your touch of Nasha. Okay. Because even the unlikely possibility of Bekuach Nefesh, saving of a life, supersedes the observance of Yom Kippur and all other mitzvahs, except the, except the cardinal, three cardinal sins, uh, adultery, certain forbidden, uh, uh, adultery and adultery and murder. Okay. Now, he says, Where is this talk? Oh, here it is. Mishnah Zion. Listen to this. Mishnah Zion. If a building collapsed on somebody, it's Mishnah Zion and Paraches and Yuma. Mishnah Zion. If a building fell on somebody, right? A building, a wall collapsed on somebody. Suffolk Husham. We don't know if the person is underneath the, brick, the bricks. We saw him. We saw the bricks fall, but it could be he went out on the other side, right? So it's a suffix. We're not sure if he's there or if he's not there. Suffolk chai, suffolk maze. And even if he's there, we're not sure if he's alive or dead. Could be he's dead. Suffolk, I mean, call him suffolk Yisrael. We're not even sure he's a Jew. Could be he's a non-Jew. Could be he is a Jew. You have to be mechal Shabbos and clear the debris often. If you, if you end up uncovering his face and you see he's alive, you have to totally uncover him and take him out. The inmates, but if he's dead, you have to wait for after Shabbos. So let's take a look at this. It's a suffix if he's there. It's, we're not sure if he's there. It's a suffix if he is there, if he's dead or alive. It's a suffix if he's a Jew or he's not a Jew. So you have three sveikas. Sveik, sveik, sveika. Three things we're not sure about. Halach is, doesn't matter. There's a slight chance that this Jewish guy is underneath all these bricks. You have to be Machal Shabbos. So you're going to tell me that Kosh Baruch doesn't care about us? Maybe there's a Jew in there. Maybe he's alive. Maybe he's in there. Chil Shabbos. HaKosh Baruch Hu's big Shabbos. It's be Machal Shabbos. The The end of the day, every Jewish person, everyone listening to this share, you need to know that there's nothing more important to God than you. And there's nothing more important to God than your life. And that you should be alive. And that's deicha everything. Except those three. And I think if your person understands that, and you walk around with that, it's a very different feeling. And therefore, parents have to understand that at the end of the day, if their child... And this is the only thing that I can hear on this side of, of, the, of the table. 
So this is what one person answered me, and, and there I have to back off. If the child's life is in danger, and that's why some therapists and some rabbis feel this. If you're, if you're not going to let him into the house, if you're not going to do what he wants to do, he might commit suicide. He might end up not under your supervision, taking some drugs that he's going to kill himself, he's going to die, or he's going in a derech where things are getting a lot worse, and if you're not going to leave that house open to him, something, you know, his life is in danger, then I have no argument. Then you have to leave your house open, and you have to, you have to do whatever you have to do, because at the end of the day, according to the Torah, your child's life, his life comes before anything else. So that's a decision that maybe the therapist has to make or maybe you have to make. If you really feel that if I'm not going to go this way and I'm not going to buy her the pants and I'm not going to do this for her, that she's go- that her life is in danger, then Rabbi Wallstein steps back because at the end of the day, you have three svekas here. Svek, svek, sveker, and we still have to, and we still have to be Mechal Shabbos. So at the end of the day, if, if it's, and, that, and that is why, as sad as it is that we don't have a Jewish Rehab for girls, which is very, very sad. Um, we have to send our girls to, to the Mormons and we have to send our girls to, to the Christian or, or rehabs that are, we know that our girls are going to go in there and eat chazer every day, eat pork, and we know that they're going to be Machal Shabbos because it's not a Jewish place. And we know that the education they're going to be given there is Kenegan Ataira, totally. Um, Every Rebbe and every Rebbe I ever went to said to me, you have no choice. Rebbe Wallstein, you have to send them to these places. I, they're going to come out, and I, and I, said, to, I said to them, what's better, a drunk Jew, right? Or, 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 or what's it called? Or a sober guy. And they're like, a live Jew. Mm-hmm. End of the day. So if she comes out alive, even if she doesn't keep Torah mitzvahs, and you put her in there for 12 months with the, right, and she knows the taste of chazer and lobster, and, and she, you know, she, she did prayers or whatever it is, at the end of the day, and I went to the biggest rebbe's and the biggest tzaddikim, and they're like, there's no discussion. For Kuch Nefesh, I said, I asked a very big tzaddik, I said, Kuch Nefesh means her soul. So you're putting her in this place, we're not gonna have, her soul's gonna be destroyed. He says, B'kuach nefesh means a life. And the value of a Jewish life, a value of anyone's life, any human being's life, to Hashem, is you can do whatever you have to do to save it. No matter when, no matter where, except for those three. And, 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 and therefore, the argument that I do accept is that if, they, if, the, if the therapist or the rabbi really feels that this child's life is at risk, um, because you're not opening the door, because you're not, then then halachically you have to do what you have to do. I don't always agree that by allowing, I, I think that sometimes by allowing them to buy drugs and buying them the drugs, you're killing them. So then you're going in the wrong direction. So I think every case is different and you have to know the child and you have to know you know where you are, but you know, not always buying them the alcohol and buying them this and being so free and not giving them consequences and being so nice you might be killing them, there's a song, you might be killing them softly. And that's just the same murder as killing them harshly. So I, 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 I don't give it, I'm not giving it an overall picture. I think that every single situation, 
um, you need to talk to a Rav that, that you trust, and you need to know your child. I told them, I said, the number one, I would not be a Rebbe today, if that's for sure. Number one, know your child. Know your child. How do you get to know your child? By spending time with your child. You can't get to know your child by somebody doing a, a, you know, checking them out. You have to know your child. Every child is different. So you have to know. You have to know when to pull back. You have to know when to give. That's what, and you have, and you have to have crazy siyata d'shmaya. You have to, ain't a mavada, you have to have crazy siyata d'shmaya. Every person is different. Again, if it's b'kuch nefesh, teichas hakol. There's no discussion. Alright, I want to end. What? The what? Yes, I'm going to tell you actually two short stories. Um, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you one, but I'll tell you two. So I, today, I, I'll just tell you something that happened today in my car. So, so I'm, 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 you know, we had the most amazing day. We went up to Bear Mountains today. Gorgeous. You know, with all the, everyone's up there, all, everyone's coming up there because of all the colors of the trees. So you have these people that go up there and they take pictures. It, it, I told the girls, I'm like, What's going on over here? Why is God doing this? Why you drive up the Palisades and you, and you come up to Bear Mountains? It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's a panoramic. It's red and yellow and green and the, the, tree, the trees are changing color. So you have a lot of Japanese tourists with there today and a lot of tourists come. And it's a change of leader when you're on the top of Bear Mountains. You can see like for 500 miles. It's, it's magnificent. Why, why don't the leaves just drop off the tree when they're green? Why, why do they change colors? And it's beautiful. Uh, maybe I'll bring you some pictures. It, it, it's gorgeous. I mean, you can't, like I said, God is the painter. I told the girls today. You can't, no human being can paint such a painting. Human beings can paint a copy of his, what he does. But we can't create, we can't create a rock. Forget about this scene. St- standing up there and just looking at the boy Ray oil love. And then we had this lake where you saw all the, the mountain reflecting in the lake. It's totally out of control while the sun's setting. You're looking at, at a whole mountain of beautiful colors reflecting in the lake with a couple of white geese. I was, I was like, I was like, God, thank you, man. I, I, when I sat down, was, I, I found my spot, and I was like, Shema Yisrael, listen Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Achad. There's only one. There's no, no one else can do this. Baruch Shem Kivoy Malchuse. This is his Malchus L'Oilam Vayad. God, it's unbelievable. It was an unbelievable day. We took them up there. We, we, on top of the mountain, my brother-in-law was there. They had steak sandwiches and, 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 and burgers and franks. And it was like, it was like an amazing day. And we, all the teachers, you know, we're not so young. And it was just, it was just, the girls were great. It was an amazing day. Okay. I get into my van, right? So there's a girl from my school sitting next to me. Of course, she has her earphones on. And they didn't, they didn't like my Jewish music. You know, I have my Jewish music, whatever it is. So they had the earphones and her earphones are so loud that in her ears that I'm driving she's in the passenger seat right next to me and I hear the song and the, the, she got the little ear things in her ear and I'm listening to her song right, which I don't really want to listen to so she I'm like it's really loud she goes you can hear the words I'm like no if you can hear the words it's not too loud <laughs> okay so I'm driving for half an hour this old rabbi I'm scratched up I had cramps on my legs the whole day today I'm like you know I did this for the kids you, you, you know Baruch Hashem I'm very, I'm very excited very happy so I put in my I put on my CD and I turn it on and I make it a little loud. Now I'm driving, I'm tired, I want to listen to my music. I promise this is the truth. Right? It's on for two minutes. This girl is hopping next to me in her earphones, right? She bends over to the, to the radio and she turns it down. 
She didn't say, Rabbi, it's too late, too loud. Could I turn it down? She just bends over and turns it down. Now, he's laughing because he knows me. Moshe knows me. If it was a guy, I would have, he would have gotten it, okay? But this girl, she just turned it, she didn't ask me anything. She just turned it down. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, it's too loud. I'm like, turn off, I'm like, and this, she's, she's in my school, this is the first year, so she knows me for a month, and now how many times am I there? I'm like, turn off your stereo. Turn it off now. Yeah, I'm like, what do you think you're doing? Why don't you, why don't you ask me? You know, she goes, I can't hear my music. I'm like, this is my car. This is my trip. This is my music. You don't touch dial on my car and turn down my music without asking me what do you think this is and she was like in total shock you know why because no one ever talked to her like that because she does whatever she wants so there's no hakaras hatov that I appreciate oh my god what you did for me turn on your music do whatever you want you took me on a trip today right there's no you're too loud she didn't say that to me she just bent over and turned it down like it's her car it's her radio and it's her stereo and I'm like no. So I should be nice now and say, okay, okay, I'll turn it off if it's too loud for you, right? What else can I get for you? Maybe we should stop and I should buy you some drinks, right? I'm like, no. If I don't tell her, then, then, then I'm wrong. I need to tell her that's wrong. It's a coffee toe, and you don't lean over in my car and turn my radio down without asking me. And I told it to her, and, and she looked at me like I was from Mars. And then at the end of the ride, I said, I don't know if you understand, maybe nobody ever spoke to you this way. But if you want to be, if you want to grow up to be a mother and a wife, you can't act like this. I'm also a person, and it's my car, and it's my music. And before you touch my music, you gotta ask me permission. So, so there, there has to be a certain level of, of discipline. If you think I would be, if you were sitting behind me, you'd be like, wow, Ray Walsh is such a mean guy. Like, you know, he doesn't even know her and he's telling her off. No, I'd be a mean guy if I would say, you did good, you did good, I shouldn't listen to you, you should listen to yours, and, and I should listen to mine. What am I bringing up? Well, how's she going to treat her husband? How's she going to treat her children? How's she going to get a job? How's she, she going to grow up to be a human being? So there's, there's a time where you have to, you know, when a person is a coffee type, Hashem said to Adam, you're not Adam, you're Afar. You're dust. There's no growth from you. You're coffee toe. You, why did Hashem say, yeah, it's good, don't worry, if you need to die, made a mistake, sorry. By the way, you want me to give you more fruit? I said, I'll give you more fruit. You know? You'll stay in Ganeiden in my room, and I'll give you more fruit. No. That's not our Torah. That's not the way it works. There's a consequence. You wait for the Eitzadas? You're out of here. Hashem didn't throw him out of Yeshiva. Hashem didn't throw him out of the house. Hashem threw him out of Ganeiden. Where do you get this? That's from God. God said, you made a mistake. 100%. But there's a consequence. You can't stay here no more. Hashem threw him out. Did Hashem take care of him? Now that I threw you out and you don't have clothing, Hashem made him clothing. Hashem took care of him. Right? He took very good care of Adam and Chava, but he threw him out. So there's a consequence. You, 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 made, you made a mistake, and there's a consequence to that mistake. That's the Torah. I don't know where all the other stuff comes from. Yes, if his life would have been in danger, it's a different story, but... That's how the Torah starts. The Torah teaches us consequence. You ate from the Eitzadas, you're out of here. You ate from the Eitzadas, from now on you have to work. You ate from the Eitzadas, when you give birth, it's going to hurt. You, Nachash, 
You did what you did? You're losing your legs and you're eating dust. So um, in Yatev, if somebody wrote about God, we'd say, he's not nice. He wasn't nice. He flung him out. He punished him. He punished her. He punished that. He's not nice. And Hashem's like, nice? Nice is consequence. Because guess what? When the kid who's going to put their hand on the steam gets the hand slapped away, the kid's not putting his hand on the steam again. But if you think you're being a nice person by saying, oh, you shouldn't do that, and then two days later, he's in a burn unit, you're not a nice person. You're a very mean, miserable person. Did you allow that to happen? So din sometimes, din sometimes is the biggest rachman. Okay, you have to know when and you have to know when not. And that takes time and that takes work. Okay, so anyway, I want to tell you a story. I'm not going to tell you the all main story. We'll save it for next week. I want to tell you an amazing story that I, that I read on, that I read about this week. And it's just a very ridiculous story. It's just very, very fast. So in Chai Sara, Ramavino buried Sari Menu. By the way, it's a very interesting thing in Kedushin. We learn marrying a woman, right? Kicha Kicha, if you, you learn Kedushin. Kicha Kicha from who? Mistay Ephron. We learn marriage, buying Kenyan from Stay Ephron. So everyone asks, Ephron was a Russia. He, he sold a piece of property for a crazy amount of money, right? He was in Russia. Why would I learn the holiness of Kedushin, of the Kenyan of Kedushin? There are a lot of other Kenyanim in the Torah. Why would I learn it from Ephraim? It's a beautiful answer this week. You can say this at the table. Because both people in the, in the, in the Ephraim deal, Ephraim and Avram, each thought they got the greatest deal. Ephraim thought he ripped off Avram. He's like, wow, I got 400 Oivala Seicher for this cave. So he walked away saying, wow, I just ripped him off. I made a lot of money. Avram walked away and said, oh my goodness, I got the cave that Adam and Chava buried in. He don't know that, right? It smells from Ghanaian. For 400, I got the craziest deal. So the Gemara is telling us, when it comes to marriage, the girl has to think, I got the craziest deal. And the boy has to think, I got the craziest deal. Where do you see that in the Torah? From Ephron, from Ephron and Avram Avinu. And that's why we learn Kicha Kicha from Ephron and Avram Avinu. It's a beautiful shot, and, and it's for Shabbos. Anyway, I, want, I, I have to tell you this, 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 just short, it's a very short story. So it says that he bought it for 400 shekel, right? Beni Ubancha Mahi, he said. Between me and you, what, it's nothing. By the way, very beautiful word. If you take the word Ephron, right? So one time it's with a vav, so it's ayin pei, resh vav nun. What's the, what's the middle letter? A resh. Right? You have two, letter, two. Avraham Avinu is Aleph Bez. The middle letter is Resh, right? Hey, man. So Ephraim said, Be'iniu Be'incha, my middle letter, and your middle letter, Mahi. It's 400. He said, what is it? 400, 200, and 200. That's why he came to the price of 400. It's a pshatl. Okay. Anyway, so listen to this story. So, so he paid a lot of money for this, um, he paid a lot of money for this burial place. So he says a story like this, that, 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 you know, everything Avram Avinu did is, is of a similar manum, right? They did it, whatever they did, they were, he was willing to give up his life, sorry, gave up her life, it's like gave her his life, everyone was willing to give up their life, Maisa Nefesh, that's why we have the power to be Maisa Nefesh. He says, even this, to pay an exuberant amount of money for a burial place, Avram Avinu set that because he did pay a crazy amount. I mean, Ephraim didn't know that the Baal what it was, so he paid a crazy amount of money. So he says a story, he says that the Kayach of this story came because of a similar He says the story began in Poland more than 70 years ago when a young couple got married and had a son. 
The mother was killed in the Holocaust, while the father and son survived by seeking shelter in the home of a non-Jew, and who arranged for papers to be forged. In the end, the father, the Jewish father, in the Holocaust married the Gentile woman, and he treated her, and he had a son with her. And this son, of course, was not Jewish. So he had a son from the first wife that was Jewish, and he had a son from the second wife that wasn't Jewish. And then the father and his two kids, these two boys, um, got to, went to America, got to America. Over the course of years, the Jewish son kept very little contact with his father. His father was married to this non-Jewish woman. One day, he received a letter from a court in America informing him that his father had died and left behind an inheritance of, this is a true story, of $50 million. Okay? as an inheritance. And his father wrote in the will that it should be divided evenly between his two sons. The Jew getting $25 million and the non-Jew getting $25 million. Okay? So the son was, Jewish guy was very excited and he hurried to his father's house and made inquiries. His father died. His father was Jewish. Where are they going to bury him? So the non-Jewish son told him that they planned to bury his father beside his, beside his non-Jewish mother in a non-Jewish burial ground. So these two started fighting. The non-Jew and the Jew started fighting. He said, no, he's Jewish and he has to be, he has to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. So, specifically by the cemetery wall, because he married a non-Jew, whatever. Okay, so they were unable to settle the matter, so they went to court. Each one said, the non-Jew said, he gets buried next to my mother, and the Jewish guy said, he's a Jew, he gets buried in a Jewish cemetery. So they come to court, and what did the judge say? The judge said, listen, I can't cut your father in half, right, but he's your father and he's your father. So he passed in, the, the judge said, cremation. We're going to cremate him. You'll get half the ashes, and you'll get half the ashes. You'll bury half the ashes in the Jewish... I mean, he's a smart like Shlomo Melech. You'll bury half... This is a true story. You'll bury half the ashes Jewish cemetery, and you'll bury half the ashes in a non-Jewish cemetery. The Jewish son's like, no, you don't get it. Uh, that's worse. <laughs> right? It's worse to get cremated than even buried in a non-Jewish cemetery. You can't cremate my father. So, he went to the his, bro- his half-brother, the non-Jewish guy, and he said, I will give you $50,000 if you, if you let me b- bury my father in a Jewish cemetery. Once the non-Jewish son saw that it's a matter of money, he said, if our father's burial place is so important to you, I will let you bury him wherever you want in exchange for your inheritance. This is a true story. This came to Rev, to Rev Silverstein. $25 million. It's so... It's so important, it's all or nothing. Either we cremate him, you get half, I get half, or you give me your half of the inheritance. So, the Jewish son came to Rav Zilberstein, he probably sick to ask Akash, what, what, what's, what's my halacha, what do I have to do? So, in the end, I'm not going to go through the whole psak, but in the end, um, the psak is that um, you don't have to spend money to do kibbut of aim, Right? But, uh, the money that a person inherits, the first thing is a halacha. The first thing you have to do with that money is to use part of it for the burial of your parents. In other words, if they left you money, you cannot not use that money to bury them. Okay? Now, it happens to have come out here that in order to bury your father, it's going to cost 25 million from your father's inheritance to do it. The halacha is you have to give them 25 million. So he ended up, 
um, giving the entire portion of his inheritance, $25 million, to bury his father according to the Jewish law. It's unbelievable. So he said, that the Gemara says that, um, you know, when a person comes up to Shemayim and he's like, I couldn't learn Torah because I, I, w- I was busy with my business and I, I couldn't abandon my business for Torah, right? Um, so they give an example of Elizabeth ben Charoim who, who, um, who was very wealthy, right? And he, and he did learn Torah. And then Hillel's example of being very poor, poor person says, I was so poor, I couldn't learn Torah. He was very poor. And of course, Yosef HaTzadik, for the people who say, well, I was so good looking, I couldn't help being with women. When they, Yosef HaTzadik, they use him and they say, well, compared to him, you're not good looking. And he wasn't, so we're, we're in trouble. So if you, if, if you can say, I couldn't learn Torah because I was, I was rich, there was someone that learned Torah and was richer than you. If you say, I couldn't learn Torah because I'm poor, there was someone who learned Torah who was poorer than you. If you said, I couldn't learn Torah because I'm gorgeous, there was someone who learned Torah and kept mitzvahs and who was better looking than you. So you're pretty stuck. So he said, unbelievable, Rav Silverstein said that um, if anybody goes up there, right, um, and says, he says, and in this case, we may say that, the, that, that the, the, what the son did obligates anybody who, who, who inherits, right, from their deceased parents, that, that they should not disgrace their memory by squabbling over it to divide and get, get busy with the inheritance because this person was willing to give up $25 million from his father's inheritance that his father should not be cremated. $25 million, can you imagine that? Where did that come from? Because a long, long time ago there was a man named Abraham Avinu who said whatever it costs, whatever it costs, my wife has to be buried in the right place. Doesn't matter how much it costs. That gives us our koyach to do what we have to do. May we all be zaycha to Mashiach and Herbi Amenu Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.